Good morning. It is a glorious day. What a wonderful day it is out this morning. If you haven't gotten up and gotten outside, I would encourage you to do so. Actually, it reminded me, uh, Psalm 118, verse 24, says, This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad. And days like this are just made, I think, for rejoicing. And there's so much to rejoice for. I mean, it, it is a beautiful day, but I mean, we also have the, a love of friends and family. We have our salvation, which is a great reason to rejoice. But we have yet another reason to rejoice this morning, because the Alberta government has announced their reopening plan uh, of what they're going to do to get us out of this COVID situation. So with that, we are hoping as a church that by June 20th, uh, we'll actually be back to sort of in-person services. Uh, that'll still be at the 30% capacity, uh, so it'll be limited. Uh, but that's when we're hoping to actually start church up again. And then actually shortly, sort of sometime in July, we have actually hope to be back to sort of full attendance on Sunday morning. So that's really kind of encouraging. Uh, we also have uh, a Family Matters meeting coming up. Uh, the date on that will be June 16th. Uh, it will both be online and in person. Uh, we ask you to register for that. Uh, there will be a link at the, uh, on the website uh, that you can register either for the online or for the in-person. Uh, and that's mostly was just planned to be sort of an informational meeting uh, to bring you some information. But uh, we are actually now going to be obviously voting on a candidate for the associate pastor position um, who, who is Mark Barrett, who will actually be speaking with us uh, just a little bit later this morning. Uh, so I encourage you, sign up for the, for the Family Matters meeting. Uh, we also have Father's Day coming up. Uh, and we are sort of hoping to encourage you to send in just a short video of yourself or your family. Uh, just sort of one or, or t- of two things. Just a short lesson you learned from your dad. And it can be really short, maybe 10, 30 seconds kind of thing. I learned from my dad this. And then just say, Happy Father's Day. Or just do one or the other or both. And we'll just put that together and put together a little video clip in tribute to dads. But we encourage you, send in a video of you just thanking your father for something. And finally, we also have condolences uh, to give out this morning. Uh, condolences to the family of Wally Fletcher. Wally passed away uh, on May 22nd. Uh, some of you may know Wally and his wife, I think, Lil. Um, uh, I think they, they were the ones who did catering for the joy groups for many years. So the people who are involved in the joy ministry would know the Fletcher family. So we just want to send out condolences uh, to them as well. And for any other items, we just encourage you, uh, items of interest, to look at your bulletins. Uh, these are available online at the website. You can click on it. There's lots of other information in there. Uh, we'd love to have you informed, uh, especially as we sort of start gearing up to get back into person. Those are the announcements this morning. Uh, Before we jump into kids' time, let's just have a word of prayer. Father God, um, thank you so much for this beautiful day. Lord, it is glorious outside. And again, it's so easy to praise you and to worship you and to see your goodness and your greatness uh, on a day like today. And yet, Lord, we know um, there are some people who are struggling today. Um, Lord, we think of the Fletcher family with the loss loss of Wally Uh, Lord, we pray that you would be with them and be a comfort to them as they walk through this this journey of grief and loss uh, with Wally passing away. And Lord, we even think of uh, the families of those residential school kids we heard about on the news where uh, hundreds of kids were found in a grave. And Lord, we pray um, for healing, for comfort, and for reconciliation. 
in all of those matters. And Lord, we know that, Lord, we know it is only the gospel and Jesus Christ who can truly bring unity and break down those barriers between Jew and Gentile and all the different races. But Lord, we just pray for, uh, pray for those families who are experiencing so much loss, uh, who are experiencing so much pain and who have experienced so much pain um, throughout generations. And Lord, we pray for healing and for the good news of Christ to be able to speak meaning and truth into those things. Um, Lord, we want to pray too for our government as they start to look at reopening uh, things. Um, we just pray that they would lead us well. And Lord, as we look at this 15 months that we've lost uh, to COVID, we pray that, Lord, you would just bring healing to all of us uh, as well as we sort of lament these losses um, and these, these, these things we weren't able to do or celebrate or, or even the, the ways we couldn't mourn. Uh, Lord, I pray you bring healing into this into the future days as we come out of this, this time of COVID. And I pray for our, our church, that, Lord, you would give our leaders wisdom, uh, Lord, to not just lead us out of this, but, Lord, to lead us after this. Uh, Lord, as in many ways, the world is going to change, and we pray that the leaders would, uh, would just guide us well. And, Lord, we pray, too, for uh, Mark, uh, Pastor Mark Barrett, who will be speaking to us a little later this morning as he looks to candidate. We pray that, Lord, you would be involved in this entire process, that, that, Lord, you would guide his thoughts, guide our thoughts, and, and Lord, help us to know if this is a connection uh, our church needs to make. And, Lord, that he would be someone that we want to add to staff who can, who can help lead our church and, and serve us uh, going into the future. And, Lord, for all these things, Lord, we are truly thankful uh, that you are there for us, that you are so good to us, um, and that you died for us to offer us salvation. And, Lord, we rejoice and celebrate those things. And Lord, we just ask that you would continue to be with us in every aspect of the service as we continue to move forward, that you would just bless us in many ways. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's my honor at this time to be able to introduce to you our speaker this morning, who is Pastor Mark Barrett. Uh, Mark is actually currently in Ontario, uh, where he had been serving at North Broadway Baptist Church in Tilsonburg, Ontario. Uh, but just recently, they've sort of, him and his wife felt like it was time for them to wrap up their ministry there. And they're actually already planning a move to Alberta to just start that new chapter uh, in their life where God was leading them uh, with him and his wife, Barbara. And that's actually what sort of led them to us. Uh, it's sort of one of those, a friend of a friend sort of introduced us. And uh, they heard that we were looking for an associate and they were looking for an associate position. So that sort of was the connection there. Uh, and Looking at Mark, we really think that he's going to be a good fit for our church. Uh, he comes with 35 years of experience in associate and lead pastor uh, ministry. Uh, he says he has a passion for people, for mentorship and discipleship, evangelism, has gifts, gifts of teaching and preaching. Uh, really comes across as a, a person who's a lifelong learner. Um, lots of energy, just excited about uh, the possibilities that God has uh, for him here. Uh, we actually had him introduce himself last week uh, to us in a short video uh, that is on the church website if you'd like to watch that uh, once again. Uh, again, we have an email uh, that we sent out this week, also just sort of him introducing himself as well. Um, and we're also uh, just offering as a church just sort of a chance to meet and greet sort of him online. That'll be June 10th. Uh, if you would like more information about that, you can contact the church office. 
Uh, but I think we sent out a link to that not too long ago. If not, we will be in the, in the near future. Uh, so at this time, I would just really like to introduce Pastor Mark, who re recorded a, a sermon for us earlier, and we'll just uh, play that at this time. Well, good morning, church. It's a privilege for me to be able to come to you and share the Word of God with you today. I want to thank your pastor for allowing me to share his pulpit and uh, to be able to share God's Word with you today. I would invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Ephesians in chapter 3. That's where we're going to be spending our time for the next few moments. Ephesians in chapter 3. Let me pray with you. Father, I just pray that your spirit would abide with us now as we look into your word. I pray, Lord, that you would speak to us by the Holy Spirit of God. I pray that our hearts and our minds will be open to hearing what you have to say to us today through your word. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you do a Google search for the word maximize, you'd be surprised what you would come up with. I did that very thing. Uh, maximize. If you if you do a Google search, you come up with words like number one, maximize your job search. That's the very first one that came up on my computer. Maximize your job search. Maximize your potential. Well, that's a big one, right? Number two, uh, maximize your savings. Maximize your talent. And maximize your work day, maximize your influence, uh, maximize your drawer space. Now, who doesn't want to do that, right? Maximize your drawer space, <laughs> maximize your social influence. Wow, that's a big one. And on and on and on and on it goes with showing uh, fines for the word maximize. Everyone wants to maximize something, right? Uh, because we live in a world today where we don't allow a whole lot of white space on the pages of our lives. Uh, we like to fill up all the white space. We don't like too much quiet. We don't, we don't enjoy too much downtime. Down I know because I'm that way. Um, I've, been, I've been off work now since the end of January, and it seems like I ha haven't stopped. Uh, it, it just goes on and on and on. I, I haven't really had any downtime. Let me see. What have I done? Well, I've, I've uh, written a book. <laughs> I have uh, uh, remodeled my basement. Uh, me and a friend made a hardwood door for, for my house. Uh, I, I made a door for the closet in, in my basement. Uh, I did a bunch of other small jobs. I painted, repaired, fixed up, uh, laid a laminate floor. I've, I've been reading a lot. I've been preparing a podcast every week. I've been writing messages. I mean, I haven't stopped, and, and, and I'm not regretting what I have done. I'm not sorry that I did all those things. But what I'm saying is that that should not be a character, characterization of our lives as a whole. We shouldn't just fill all the white space. We shouldn't just allow every single moment to be filled up so that there's no quiet downtime. We need to learn to have some white space in our life. In fact, we need to leave room for God to be able to speak into our lives in such a way that he can only do in order that he can do in our lives what he wants to do, and, and, and in order for him to draw close to us and for us to draw close to him. Have you ever heard of the term maximizing your spiritual life? 
Well, that's what I want to share with you from God's Word uh, today. I was in my quiet time with the Lord one morning uh, not long ago, and I was reading through the book of Ephesians, and this, and this passage of Scripture just hit me like a ton of bricks. And I thought, wow, I've, I've got to study that more. And so I've done that, and now I'm sharing uh, with you what, what I have learned. Paul uh, is praying for the believers at Ephesus. And he's praying that their spiritual life would be strengthened and that they would recognize God's love for them. And what that means. He wanted every Christian, in other words, he wanted every Christian to maximize their spiritual lives with the riches of Jesus Christ. He wanted their inner being to become strong. Let me ask you today, how's your inner being how is your spiritual life these days? Is it strong? Is it vibrant? Could, could you say that you're happy with your spiritual life and where you're at right now? Let's begin with what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14, and 14 to 16. And, and I'm reading from the uh, New English translation today. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven on earth is named. I pray that according to the wealth of his glory, he will grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner person, that Christ will dwell in your hearts through faith, so that because you have been rooted and grounded in love, you will be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and thus to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you will be filled up to all the fullness of God. What a wonderful portion of scripture. I want you to notice that he wants us to maximize the power of the spirit which is within us. Notice in verse 14 he begins it by saying, I kneel before the Father. In other words, the apostle Paul is praying for the saints, based on everything else that he has just told them, which is recorded for us in chapter two, uh, in and earlier in chapter in earlier in chapter three. In fact, his prayer hinges on what he just got through telling them in the early part of chapter two, latter part of uh, sorry, early part of chapter three, latter part of chapter two, when he says in verse six, let me read that for you, namely, that through the gospel the Gentiles are fellow heirs, fellow members of the body, fellow partakers of the promise of Christ Jesus. You see, that was something that had been hidden in the past. And now the gospel is open to everyone. And now that the Jews and the Gentiles are one in Christ Jesus, they're one in the body of Jesus Christ, he wanted them not only to experience the love of Christ, but also to exhibit that love towards one another and to the world. Now, in order for that to happen, he prays for them in verse 16. And he prays that they would be strengthened with the power that can only come from the Holy Spirit. He didn't pray that they might just have power to get by day by day. He didn't say, oh, let me just pray for you so that you can get by for the next hour. That's not what he was saying. 
He prayed for them that that power that comes out of the wealth of God's glory would be enriched in them in their inner being. Now, what does that mean uh, to the to the glory to 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 God's glory or or with the wealth of God's glory? What does he mean by that? Well, when, the best way I can illustrate that is. Uh, when you go outside and you look at the sky on a clear uh, summer night and uh, you, l- you look at all the stars, what do you see? You see the stars, right? You see the constellations. You see all the creations of God in the heavenly places. That's the riches of the glory of God in the starry heavens. Uh, in fact, uh, we're told about that back in uh, the book of Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 26. Listen to what he says. Look up at the sky who created all these heavenly lights. He is the one who leads out their ranks. He calls them all by name because of his absolute power and awesome strength. That's, that's the, the glory of God being displayed as you look at the skies at night. Or listen to this. What about Psalm 139 verses 16 to 18? Your eyes saw me when I was inside the womb. All the days ordained for me were were recorded in your scroll before one of them came into existence. How difficult it is for me to fathom your thoughts about me, O God. How vast is their total, their sum total. If I tried to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. Even if I finished counting them, I would still have to contend with you. Listen, every child that is formed in the womb of a woman is a creation of God and is a demonstration of the glory of God. I'm not even sure. I'm not even sure how I can comprehend the vastness of the glory of God. Paul prayed that our power might come from the riches of God's glory. How do you even comprehend that? How do you even put that into words? All I know for sure is that it is a huge thing. It's a massive thing. Something that you can hardly put into words. And that's what Paul says that he wants for us. It's like comparing, for example, a uh, the best way I can do this is is to maybe compare it uh, between a car engine and a jet engine. Now, a car engine might produce, say, thirteen hundred and forty-one horsepower. Now, I don't really understand all this because apparently, when I did a little bit of bit of thinking and research about this, uh, you if if you're to if, if you have to compare a car engine to a jet engine, what you have to do is you have to convert that into uh, megawatts because you're talking about really two different kinds of engines. And so mechanics out there, don't be giving me the eye. You know, I don't want any notes this week uh, saying I don't know what I'm talking about. Just, just follow me with this illustration, if you will. Uh, let's think about the difference between a car engine and a jet engine. A car engine might put out 1,341 horsepower, but when you do the conversion with the megawatts and all of that of the horsepower of a car engine and a jet engine, it would translate into a jet engine about 77,109 horsepower. Now, take a jet engine and put it into an Austin Mini. What would you get? <laughs> well, That's the best I can do to describe what Paul is praying will happen to us. And so, do you want to go through life driving a Mini? Or 
a mini with a jet engine. (laughs) And he prayed in verse 16 that we might be strengthened with this power on the inner being. Uh, He's talking about, when he's talking about that, he's talking about the seat of influence. But when, when talking about us, he's talking about our feeble spiritual walk. You, you, might, you might walk into a church one day and you, and you look at somebody who has come in and they, and they kind of look like they've got their act put together, right? I mean, they come walking in and they've got their big Bible under their arm and maybe it's a 10-pound Bible, you know, the big family size that you put on your coffee table and, and they waltz in and they have their family by their side and there are three little kids or four or six or eight, you know, whatever, however many they have and they all are dressed pick and span their hair slicked back and everybody has a smile on their face and 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 he's got all the catchwords right the christian catchwords like oh god bless you sister and oh it's so wonderful to be in the house of the lord today and oh glory be to god for the great things he has done you know the kind i'm talking about right you know they have all the words the exterior looks good everything looks fine on the outside but paul is talking about the inner seat of influence that part of us that controls who we really are now my very first automobile i ever owned was a toyota pickup truck it was about a 1970 Uh, it had a nice paint job it was a cherry red it had what they called baby moon rims on it you know, chromed and they were beautiful with white letter tires. Uh, it had special. It had a special chromed bumper. Uh, it, it had it had glass pack mufflers, two of them. Now, if you don't know what a glass pack muffler is, uh, eventually the glass in the muffler it burns out. And then it starts to bubble and roar and pop and sneeze and sounds kind of like a Harley Davidson, if you ever heard one of those, right? And I'm sure you have. Well, my pickup truck looked and sounded like a real street rod. I mean, it would bubble and pop and, you know, make all these really beefy sounds. But under the hood was about a 1.5 liter engine, (laughs) I mean, this thing, it couldn't beat a 1948 Volkswagen Beetle in a street race. It may have looked good on the outside. It may have had all the chrome and and all the gadgets and sound beefy, but the inside revealed what it really was. You know what? A lot of people are like that. A lot of Christians are like that. They look beefy and good and slick and clean on the outside, but they're flabby and mushy and, and, and weak on the inside. You see, when we go around, how do I knew that? Because when we go around struggling and whining all the time over whatever it is, you fill in the blank. How hard our job is, how difficult it has been living with COVID, how, how hard it is to be in lockdown, to wear a mask. You know, people whine and moan about all kinds of things. You fill in the blank for whatever it is in your life. And when we do that, what we're really saying is that, God, you didn't give me enough. You didn't give me enough. 
What we're really revealing about ourselves is that we're not maximizing the power of the Spirit within us. <clears throat> oh, we have the Spirit, all right. We got that when we allowed Jesus to save us from our sins. But are we allowing the Spirit to have enough of us to the extent that the wonder of His glory is shining through us? Maximize. Maximize that, the power of his glory. Paul also prayed that we should maximize the love of Christ within us. Look at verse 17 again, 17 to 19. That Christ will dwell in your hearts through faith so that because you have been rooted and grounded in love, you will be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth And thus to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you will be filled up to all the fullness of God. It's a wonderful verse. That word dwell means to settle in, to settle in. Now, you might have a basement apartment and maybe you rent out that basement apartment to a tenant. And the tenant moves in and they might live there three or four months or even a year, but then they'll move out right? But when you and your spouse, you buy buy a house and you move into that house, what do you do? You start to redecorate. I mean, you hang the pictures of the children and the grandchildren and grandma and grandpa and, you know, the cousins, the aunts, the uncles, and maybe you'll repaint a wall. Maybe you'll put some new floor covering down. Maybe you'll take a wall out or replace a wall or put a new wall in. Maybe you'll change the, the kitchen. You'll, you'll move around the furniture. Why? Because you're making it your home. You're settling in. You're making it your own. And you know what? That's what Christ wants to do for us. He wants to come in and settle in and make us his home. He wants to move in at salvation, but then once he has moved in, he wants to set up house. He might want to even do some renovations. Can you imagine? (laughs) And he might want to move some furniture around in our house because in reality, when he moved in, we signed the title deed of our house, our lives over to him. And now he becomes the landowner and we become the tenant. Christ has not moved into our lives through salvation just to be a tenant, just to live in our house. But rather, he wants to move in, become the owner, become the landlord, and he wants to do what he wants with his house. Sometimes I get the feeling that some Christians invite Jesus to come into their lives just to be the tenant Somebody that they can tell what to do and what they need and, hey, do this for me and do that for me. And, you know, if no, don't do that because, you know, I'm, I'm the owner after all. I'll, I'll tell you when I, when I want you to make some changes. I'll, I'll tell you if I, I need some renovations of my life. You know, we, we treat Christ like he's the tenant, but he's not. He's the owner. And sometimes that means allowing him to do some things that we don't necessarily want him to do or appreciate him doing or even wanted him to do. A guest, well, they would never repaint a wall orange, you know, unless they ask your permission. They, they would ask you first. 
And some Christians act like God has, has to ask your permission to do something in your life. Like, for example, maybe he thinks you need a uh, attitude adjustment. And so he, he knocks down that, that, that wall that is, is prohibiting you from having a spirit of patience. And, and you say, how dare you knock down that wall? of impatience. I like that wall. I didn't give you permission to knock down that wall of impatience. How dare you do that? That that was my wall. And God says, now, wait a minute. You invited me into your home. You signed the title deed of your life over to me. I don't have to ask you permission to do anything. I can walk. I can, I can take down that wall. I can build a new wall. I, I don't have to have any wall if I want to, because you belong to me. I wonder you treat Jesus as a guest in your house or are you treating him as the landowner of your house? The phrase there, rooted and grounded, is also a phrase that is used by the Apostle Paul over in the book of Colossians chapter 2 and verse 7 uh, where he says, Rooted and built up in him and firm in your faith, just as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. This is the idea of going deeper and spreading, spreading out wider into the soil and becoming thoroughly grounded. Now, that, that's a term that refers to life. A couple of years ago, I planted uh, two raspberry vines in a little patch of dirt uh, beside our house. Uh, Barbara, my wife, uh, had been wanting me to plant some raspberries for years, actually. She loves raspberries, and she was always asking me if, if I would plant some raspberry vines. So a couple of years ago, I did that. So I planted the vines, which was great. And of course, you don't get any raspberries the first year. You've got to wait. The second year comes along and the vines, they begin to multiply, which is great too, because that means more vines, more raspberries. And that year, Barbara actually did get some, ra- some raspberries off the vines. But then the next year, I noticed something. The roots, they were starting to spread out. And you know, they were, hey, there's a root over there in my grass. There's a raspberry growing in my lawn. And so I'd have to pull that out. And hey, hey, there's another root over there in my, in my garden. And so I'd have to go over there and pull that. And you know, there were times when, when I would pull a root out and I'd get like this two-foot piece of root of vine that, that has spread out over, over a distance from the original vine. And now I'm frantically cutting and pulling these vines up from all the places that I don't want them to grow. And sometimes when I, when I grab one, I wonder, man, alive, how, how'd that thing get that far over there? And <clears throat> when I think about that, I think about this verse and what Paul is saying. Because that's the way God wants the love of Christ to spread out in our lives. He never intended for his love in us just to be isolated to this, but not that. To this person, but not that person. He never intended for the love of Christ to be isolated, but the love of Christ should multiply and spread out to each and every person and each and every situation. And wherever we go, even to those we have a hard time dealing with. And the word grounded refers to architecture, which is talking about stability. 
Now, even though my raspberry vines are multiplying and doing well and producing raspberries, you know, vines are kind of, they, they grow tall and they get kind of floppy and they want to fall over. And Well, so they need some structure. And so last year I built a little framework around my, my vines so that they could have something to lean on, which would hold them up. Christ living in us is the root. But what gives us stability is the word of God. You see, you, you, you might have all the root that you need, but if you don't have any stability, you can't get through life. Without the framework of the word of God in our lives, we're just tossed to and fro like the waves of the sea. We're tempted to believe false teaching and to go astray in our walk with God. But Paul prayed that we might let Christ take up permanent residence in our life and that we might be stabilized by the word of God. And when we do that, the love of Christ grows wider and deeper and higher than what you could ever imagine. That word love is an interesting word. It's not the normal word agape, but rather in this verse, it's the Greek word used for charity or goodwill towards others. You see, the love of Christ is infinite and beyond comprehension. It's a love that took Jesus Christ all the way to the cross. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 8 says it this way. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Cross. Christ's love is infinite. And we're to be filled with the same kind of love for other people that he demonstrated toward us. It's a love that will reach down and pull somebody right out of the depths of sin. Have you been over to the book of Jude lately? Turn there with me to the book of Jude, verses 21 and 22. Look at this. It says, maintain yourselves in the love of God while anticipating the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that brings eternal life and have mercy on those who waver, save others by snatching them out of the fire. You see, this is the kind of love that will reach down and literally pull somebody out from the very clutches of Satan and out of the very fires of hell itself. It's a love that... That, that isn't filled with any kind of prejudice or hatred or, or malice, but rather it's just the opposite. It's a love that will reach wide into a world that's filled with hatred and prejudice and, and injustice. It's the same kind of love that Christ did not regard equality with God as something to be grasped, Philippians but emptied himself by taking on the form of a slave, by looking like other men and by sharing in human nature. So that even though he was reviled, he reviled not. And even though he was hated and he was ridiculed, he forgave and he healed and he cured. And he cared for people. This is the love that Paul says he wants to, he wants to have maximized in our lives. One more point. He also prayed that we might maximize the fullness of God within us. This is a really, really powerful point. Look at verse 19 again. 
He says, and thus to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you will be filled up to all the fullness of God. Verse 20, not to him who by the power that is working within us is able to do far beyond all that we ask or think. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now, in verse 19, your translation probably says uh, to know the love of Christ. And, and I don't think that expresses the full intent of the phrase in the Greek language. What it really means is it's, a, it's a, the idea of being filled to the maximum of the fullness of God. Uh, to be filled means to fill to the fullest. Uh, It's the idea of having a glass of water and and you fill the cup with the water and have you ever had it come up so that it almost looks like it's rounded at the top, right? And there's there's absolutely no more room for that water to get into that cup. In fact, if you move the cup, it'll slosh over the side a little bit. That's what this word means, to fill to the fullest. Another way to say it is to be made complete to render perfect, to carry it through to the end. And the phrase to the fullness of God is the idea of a ship that is filled with shipmates and passengers and and baggage and and, and crates of, of, of things that they're shipping to another port. It's filled to the fullest. Now, we know from other scripture that Christ is the fullness of God. Over in the book of Colossians chapter two and verse nine, it says, for in him, all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. And that means that when we're baptized into Christ, when we're saved, that means that we're baptized into him. And at that point, he is in us and we are in him. And therefore we have the fullness of God in us by virtue of Christ being with us, along with the power of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. So it's not that we don't already have the fullness of Christ in us, but Paul's prayer is that we might grow in our awareness of his fullness and his power within us. Last year, Barbara and I bought a a new Honda Civic now, that sounds more glamorous than what it is. It's really the base model of the Honda. But it kind of has everything we need, you know. It's got, it's got uh, uh, you know, power controls. It, you know, I can hook my phone up and I can answer the phone. And there's no power seats or anything. It's got power windows, you know. And it's got cruise control. And, you know, it's got that lane departure thing that, it, you know, your steering wheel goes funny if you go into the wrong lane. And... Uh, my wife says that happens a lot to me, but it, it really doesn't. But, but one night, one night we're going down the road, my lights are on. The lights come on automatically. I'm thrilled about that. And, and, and yet we're driving down the road and another car is coming towards us. It has its lights on and my lights dim. And I, and I kind of go, what happened? Like, I didn't dim my lights. And I thought, well, that's, that's fine. Well, maybe I pushed the button or something. And then the car passed and they came back on bright again. And I thought, that's weird. And then it happened again. And, and you know what I discovered? I discovered that I had a feature on the car that I didn't know I had. It dims the lights automatically. 
And I had to discover what was already a feature in my car. You know what? It's the same way in knowing God. We, all of us already have features within us as, as, as by, by way of Christ and the Holy Spirit indwelling us that we maybe don't know what we have. And that's why we need to study the word of God. That's why we need to know him. That's why we need to get to know him so that we can learn. This is the the manual of our life, right? Just like I should have taken my car manual and I should have studied to to find out the features. This is more important than that. This is the manual for life. We've got to know the manual in order to know what kind of features we have. Are we aware of the fullness of God so that we can become fully operational in our spiritual lives for him? He wants us to, he wants us to know it experientially and not just academically. The only way we can know the fullness of God experientially is if we maximize being strengthened in the inner man earlier in the prayer And if we are rooted and grounded in him earlier in the prayer, and it's then that we can know what surpasses understanding and to experience the fullness of God. You see, if God isn't enough for you, it's because you haven't allowed him to be enough for you. We need to stop underestimating the power and the love of God. And we need to give ourselves 100% to him so that we can experience him with the fullness that only he can give to you. Maybe somebody's listening today and you've never received Jesus Christ as your personal savior. You've never invited him into your life and that would be your first step. Just say to him, Lord, I I, I confess to you that I'm a sinner and that I need to be saved. I, I need your free gift of eternal life. And I accept you as my Savior and my Lord. Come into my life, rule me, take over, and 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 I'll sign the title deed of my life over to you. And if you do that, he promises that he'll come into you and he'll dwell in you. Maybe you're a believer here today and you're listening and 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 you've never really given yourself fully over to him. And you need to rededicate your life to him today. You can do that right now as we pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for this wonderful portion of scripture and and how you you have spoken to us through it today. I pray, Lord, for those who are struggling in their spiritual lives. They don't have the depth that they even feel that, that they need. I pray, Lord, that today they'll just offer themselves over to you fresh and new as as a living sacrifice and say, Lord, just fill me afresh with the spirit of God. Anoint me afresh with the spirit of God. Help me to live for you. Help me to know the fullness of God in me. And Lord, you promised that you would do that because this was a prayer that was offered for us if we will allow you to do this in us. And so, Lord, thank you for what you're going to do in the lives of those who have committed themselves to you today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless. Thank you so much for listening today and for the privilege of talking to you.